Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What is up, everybody? It is the PGA DFS First Look Show for the Mayakoba Golf Classic. It is the last PGA tournament of the calendar year. And Jeff was nice enough to take some time out of probably snowboarding now up in Canada to talk about a little bit of an actually our third what seaside course in a row. Yeah. This one is one of my favorites. So going to Mayacoba in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. Jeff, I've got a funny little story maybe to tell you when we get into talking about El Camillon in Playa del Carmen. But before that, how was your two weeks? Uh, you know, I know you're up in Canada, but you had a little week off from PGA DFS. Uh, Super, uh, super busy NFL slate. But yeah. what did yeah. you do with no PGA DFS? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it was it's American Thanksgiving, so I just did more football stuff because we had the extra slate, right? So it mm-hmm. almost didn't feel like a week off. It does feel like it's been forever. Like we did, you. I mean, look, you do. We do PGA every week. Like it's legitimately, it's been like six months in a row. Feels like it's fifty-two weeks in a row. Yeah. So like one week off feels like a year, right? So I, like I said to you this morning, I don't even remember what happened at the RSM Classic at this point. But apparently, Robert Streb won that event. So uh, yeah, no. I mean, look, I, I'm glad we get at least one more event in in here. Obviously, we're hitting December and. You know, the, about a month off after that, but we'll, we'll deal with it. The month, the, the one month is it's actually shorter than normal this year. So I guess, yeah. I guess we'll, we'll survive. It is. Yeah, it's, it's only a couple of weeks and, and uh, really we'll, we'll like about, yeah, we'll talk about the upcoming schedule. We still got a, a couple of other stuff going on for BGA DFS. We had right. Euro last week, which they put up $50,000 to first um, yeah. and, and some pretty good contests. I expect we'll get even better next week, but let's talk a little bit about course history here. I, I want to ask you a question because there's there's two ways to go about it and i've even had this as a topic here before talking about course history so i want to ask you a little something different okay how else could we find ourselves on robert streb at the rsm classic other than looking at course history how else could we have done it (laughs) i mean i i guess you know what he was 63 so from a dfs perspective he was 6300 right so You, you could take the the approach that, you know, Robert Streb, where does he particularly do it? He's won, like, like he's won a Corn Ferry Tour event. The only other event he's won is the RSN Classic, so it's in the fall. Yeah. So, realistically, if Robert Streb is ever popping up, it's in the fall or it's, like, at a Corn Ferry Tour event. So, I guess from that perspective, you could have said, well, I mean, he made sense as, like, a DFS punt play. I know I th- one of my best lineups last week actually had Oppenheim in it at the same price, so I feel really dumb for not going to Streb there. But, um you know, that's really the only way. I mean, if you're looking at like recent form, like st- statistically or models, there's no chance he was popping up, right? Unless he had like course history, like you said, weighted like 50% or something. So um, yeah, it, it's it's pretty tough. I mean, 
it, it's just one of those things. It's like Herman at, at the Wyndham, man. Like I, come on, like it, it's it gonna, just happens. And look, so, you 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 know you you've done PGA forever and and done this betting stuff. It, this just happens in the PGA, like a couple couple times a year it's these easier courses always because it brings more people into play it yeah. brings these 400 to one guys into play who are good golfers that just you know they're not going to challenge it like tough tough courses but they they can definitely get in the mix if their putter gets hot at like the Wyndham and there are some so yeah I totally agree and I guess my one follow-up question to that Jeff would be is if, if we're looking at course history, right? If, if we want to build that into our process, which I do, I've, I've made it very clear that I think it's important to look at. I have it as a small weighting as part of my projected rating in, in points. Even within that, how many years should we be looking? How many years do you look? I have it back to 2015. So I didn't even get Robert Streb popping up in my course history models because he won in 2014. So I'm yeah. just trying to find a way that's going to give me Robert Streb. It's just not going to happen, but I'm trying to make it happen here. It's probably, I mean, I guess, and look, the, and from a serious perspective, like if you are waiting course history, you can definitely wait it longer at certain events. Like the RSM probably is one to wait longer. Like there hasn't been that many changes to the course. They played there in the fall forever so i mean you could probably have gone back seven years if you really wanted to make that argument but you know five years is still a pretty good good little chunk i mean you know it's that that's pretty much the only the only thing i could say you know there's certain events where it's going to lend itself like maybe the rbc heritage is another one where you could go back like 10 years because the course doesn't change it's the same type of players right so i think uh you know you take it from a course by course perspective if you're really waiting course history um, certain course is definitely going to lend itself to bigger samples. So I think that's a, a really, really solid point. Um, if, if you are building course history in your models, that's uh, certainly looking at the course and looking at the winners and seeing if it is kind of all short plotters, uh, so to speak. One other thing that I want to mention um, before we go into our DFS review uh, and go into our little topic about driving distance I want to chat about is the fact that the RSM Classic uh, Seaside and Plantation, they played a lot harder the first two days. And I think what we saw there was we saw all the local guys play so much better than than maybe what I had suspected, but it seemed like it was all local guys there in the top 10 for a little while. And I think that when the course played harder, they were able to use that knowledge. Zach Johnson, Harris English, Kevin Kisner, all in the top 10, all not really playing all that great. I mean, English had come off of a, a good finish, but still wanted to bring that up. Is certainly something to look at for this tournament next year, that if the winds are blowing the first couple of days, just throw in those Sea Island guys, even Patton Kazire, which we're going to talk about in your lineup, scoring over 100 points. Those guys just really played well in the win. So, all right, let's go on to driving distance. And what I want to talk about here is, is that at specific golf courses, these guys are a must own. Now, there are there's one of them on the PGA Tour that we know about, maybe two now. Bryce Nishambo, obviously one. Cameron Champ is the other. That's kind of the, the one that I want to talk to you about and say, look, there are these golfers that we need to put into a class and say, when it's this golf course, it doesn't matter their price, and we don't even care what they finish. For example, this past weekend, we go, Wilco Nienaber is this star coming out of nowhere, basically, from South Africa. He can drive the ball 700 yards, Jeff. I mean, he is out driving everybody on the European Tour by an average of 19 yards. It's really incredible. Again, he came in 12th in the tournament. But he had 26 birdies or something crazy like that. Came in sixth yeah. in DraftKings points. So now El Camillion is not really this type this week. They really with only three par fives, you can't really use that elite distance. But yeah. 
at specific courses, are you in are you in line with me that hey, look, we're just gonna play these guys blindly, even if they're not even in great form? The ability to hit the ball so far can shine at certain places. Yeah, and I am pretty much in alignment with you. Um, I still need to get on like the Bryson. Sometimes the price on Bryson just just irks me, but I think this season has, has kind of taught me like there's really no high, uh, there's really not a high enough price to pay for these guys. Sometimes um, it's just, it's not, it's not even like, it is a distance thing, but it's the birdies that come from the distance. Right. Like, like we talked about Cameron champ, like three events in a row for this reason, he, he just, he's just making birdies because his distance puts him in such good position on like, you know, the shorter par fives, whatever. Um, he's yeah, just got and, a and this one. Yeah, and this week it, it, for Leopard Creek at the, the Euro event where Nina yeah. was playing, there were two drivable par fours, four yeah. reachable par fives. You got it's that's six holes where distance matters. Thirty three percent, you got to play them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I put like about a one percent effort into my lineups last week. I only played a few, but um, you know that was a, that was a mistake. Not uh, not realizing that he's just going to smash the course there. So um, you know, for for full field uh, PGA events, so yeah. It's definitely something. And, and I think we'll get more of players like that coming on to tour. So you always want to look for that if there's a guy trending towards. But right now, Champ um, is probably like the, the value where it's like you said, Jason, it almost doesn't matter what his form is. Like, we just don't even care. As long as he's he's hitting the ball far and he's not like his driver isn't like has gone uh, crazy. Just, just play him. Like, it, it's play. unless, you know, it, Pretty much it sounds play simplistic, him, yeah. but it's pretty much uh, it's just the birdie rate, right? It's it's sure is. so valuable. So, all right, so let's talk about uh, the upcoming schedule to see what everybody's going to have to be excited about coming up here as we go into our third our DFS review. We're going to start it off with just a little bit of uh, uh, scheduling. So we got the Mayakoba Golf Classic this week, which we're of course going to have full coverage for. Also, the Dubai Championships, which is on the European Tour, and the reason why I bring that up is because. Next week, the European Tour takes a front seat yet again for the DP Tour World Championships. That is the top 60 golfers. It is a no-cut event there, again in Dubai. And you got players like Patrick Reed, Colin Morikawa. Really good feel for next week. So uh, we'll, I'll provide a model for this week to get you familiar with some of those other names other than Patrick Reed and Colin Morikawa. Then, of course, we've got that what we call a long break in the world of golf, where December 14th through the first of the year, I guess I'll be sipping on some eggnog and becoming a master gardener again uh, for the two and a half weeks that we're on break. And then we start back up at the first of the year at the Tournament of Champions. We get prime time golf to start the year in Maui. Man, I'll tell you, it is my favorite place on earth. I'm not going to lie to you uh, that I've been. So really good, really fun to start the year off watching golf uh, prime time in Maui. And then, of course, we we start back. We, we go to uh, uh, Honolulu there for a week, and then we're back on the West Coast, and we are through all the way September 1st. Really crazy schedule coming up uh, for the PGA DFS. So brings me a great time to tell you about the promo we have going on since it is the last week of the last tournament of the year you aren't a premium member, a great time to come in and join us. What you're going to do is you're going to get us for just $1. Plus, you're going to get every other sport we have to offer with promo code BLUE, our Cyber Monday deal. You're going to get the NFL, uh, not the NFL, sorry, the Awesome Platinum Plus for just $1 using that promo code BLUE at sign out at checkout. So go ahead and use that. Come and join us on the Awesome Plus side and get all of our tools, all of our premium content, and so much more for just one buck this week. Join us for the Mayakoba Golf Classic, which we've got three 
six figure first places to go through Jeff. So that yeah. is pretty good. Let's see now some of the guys that might be on your lineups here this week that played really good last week, Robert Strap 130 points, but there was a guy who chat already brought up Cameron Trangale, Jeff, how about him showing up out of nowhere? And the reason why I think it's so important to talk about the RSM classic this week is I think this course is actually really similar to seaside uh, course that we saw last week. So what else do you make of these top 10? Bern Wiesberger, he's making his way onto the PGA Tour with a fourth-place finish. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Stanley gaining 2.75 strokes on the approach. Uh, any other name surprise you? Camilio Vajegas is there, who you and I are most certainly rooting for at this point. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely, uh, obviously, some, some interesting names. Vajegas had that hot start. He was in some of the top lineups for a while until he fell off a little bit. He was really, really low-owned, I mean, too, as well. But yeah. Um, yeah, Chingali uh, just was a dude I, you know, I wasn't even paying much attention to until kind of Saturday-ish, and then he just had a big Sunday as well. So lots of movement on the weekend. You know, Harris English shooting 62 as well. Uh, it was it was a pretty big roller coaster ride for the Harris English chalk. I was happy because I didn't have any exposure to him on Saturday, and then he came back and shot 62, and it was like, um, you know, well, <laughs> that's that. So that kind of hurt my uh, my top lineups in the in the MME stuff. But, um, you know, other than that um, – Definitely some surprises out there with, with Streb and Trangali, obviously. Uh, some some chalk hit as well. Like, uh, you know, like I said, English, uh, Kazire was a little bit heavily owned. But, um, yeah, it was one of those weeks where I think the wind just drove it. And uh, if you had a 6-6, six of six, you were in a really good spot regardless. Really, really great spot. But, um, yeah, it was, so it, was, it was actually a fun one. It was fun if you had a 6-6 six of six going in because you, you kind of had a little bit of a sweat. But, um, you know, even the 5 of 6 has had, like, had good finishing potential. So, Kind of a fun tournament, to be honest. Um, you know, that didn't uh, didn't end up with the guy winning I wanted, but uh, you know, it was still it was still kind of an interesting event to track. Yeah, no, it certainly was. And and you brought up, I mean, if you had six of six, you were in great shape. In fact, my lineup that we're going to show you, uh, I had four of six in my two hundred dollar, and I ended up cashing there. And the reason to that is, as we go over quickly the top ten owned of last week and their uh, points rank, we had Webb Simpson. He was forty four percent owned. Yeah which was 52nd. I mean, they're right off the bat. If you faded Webb, you are so far above the, the curve. But then you got Denny McCarthy, 22% owned, missed the cut. Doc Redman, 21% owned, missed the cut. Then Harris English, he was a good play. Then Brian Harmon, 19% owned, missed cut. Sebastian Munoz, 19% owned, missed cut. And then Harold Varner, 17% owned, missed cut. So really a ton of missed cuts there. If you faded the chalk last week, I mean, you were in such good shape. I faded the chalk, but the guys that I played still wouldn't yeah. make the cut either. That's the thing. I, even if you faded the chalk, like you you were in a tough spot. I mean, you had to fade the chalk and like fade the the semi chalk, right? Like yep. it was it was tough. So yeah, we got the the numbers and stuff up there, obviously. I mean, really, you look at the top, you know, top ten guys, whatever. You know, Kisner was was probably the highest owned of those guys. Uh ZJ had ZJ really wasn't even that that highly owned. Like he was he was a really good play last week or, or two weeks ago, in my opinion, um, just from an ownership and like a, a projection standpoint. So I think you got probably like the best kind of combo there with, with Zach Johnson. He produced, but then the rest of the guys, Stanley Vizegas, um, Wiesberger. I mean, look, Wiesberger is a good player, but like it, to suggest that like you, you were expecting 114 DK points out of him in this yeah. tournament. Ridiculous. Right. Yeah, so, exactly. um, yeah, I considered him for a bit just from a talent perspective. I think you always consider guys like that. He's still a top 50 player in the world, but I was surprised, man. I mean, a little, little pissed because I was going to, like, like I said, I was considering him, but uh, I never really got him in any. So definitely some, some shocking uh, performances, you know, Landry up there. Landry does this like once every like 25 events. He just goes, that's what he does. 
yeah. misses a bunch of cuts in between, yeah. but crazy yeah. that the guy uh, plays like that, but that that's really his style. So yeah, it was, it was just like a tournament of guys like Andrew Landry. So, yep. And as we talk about the top at GPP lineup now, which is a perfect segue, we, we talk about Ty Hatton for a second and he came in 23rd in the tournament, but if you had faded that web chalk, like we just mentioned and found your way down to Hatton, Hatton put up 92 DraftKings points, 14 birdies, an eagle, a couple of bogey free rounds. And here's the big one. Here's the kicker. He had all four rounds in the 70s. So 92 DraftKings points for Ty Hatton was good enough to be in the winning lineup. Harris English, Kevin Kisner, Cam Tringali, Scott Piercy, Patton Kazire routed out. Maybe the surprise there was Scott Piercy. Although he's a guy that yeah. certainly is a veteran that's been around. And here, here, this is what you see here at a tournament like this where wind was a big factor. Look at the names on here. Nobody, you know, no 22-year-old stars that Jason likes to play. That's for sure. All short plotters. Nobody that probably can hit the ball over 300 yards off the tee, to be honest with you. I mean, it, yeah. it really is a plotter home course lineup that we have that won it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a good way of putting it. Yeah, Percy's been playing. Percy was one of those guys. Again, I considered him. Uh, you just, you kind of look at Scott Percy and you're like, well, does he really have the proper upside? But at 7K, you know. Probably should have just gone. There's playing consistent golf, playing really good around the greens. And like you said, I mean, it was just a veteran type of course where you almost didn't need that explosiveness. You just needed to play well around the greens and, and, you know, play, not, not, not have these blow up holes, which I think a lot of the young players actually ended up, you know, that's kind of how they shot themselves out of it. Right. So um, yeah, definitely a good way of putting it. Like it was, it was the veterans and plotters and just set up so perfectly for them, I think with the weather as well. So yeah, this is, uh, you know, this is the lineup again. You know, I look at it. I didn't really have, uh, you know, Piercy or, Trin or sorry, Kisner or Tringali, but the rest of them, you know, you all definitely sort of at least considered or fell on. So, Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh, it, was a, it was a close week for me, but yeah, this one is. Um... It's, it's interesting because I mean, three of them are over 15% owned, right? Yep. It's not like he went with, with like a, a, a sub 1% owned strap. He still got there with, you know, a realistic build. I would call this. I mean, he had two, three guys over 15 and then three guys under seven. So yeah, it's uh you know, I, I think it's a pretty solid build for this event, to be honest. It, it for sure is, you know, 10, four, obviously on Hatton is, is a pretty good price. And I think actually both you and I said that when uh, on the show that we, we actually liked Hatton off of a bounce back. Yeah, the odds um, compared to Webb anyways, especially, I think we liked it as well. Yeah. So uh, overall, I mean, a solid line of 69% total ownership. The guy only had 16 entries, which for me, this is a little, a little weird, Jeff. This is the first time where somebody who had like 
15 to 20 entries actually win. We we either had the MME guys win or the right. single entry guys single win. Single entry, so. YOLO, yeah. Just, yeah. So. so good to see this. Uh, we'll look at his allocation, how he did his 16 lineups here in a little bit uh, as we go into our pro reviews and start off with our pro review one and our own pro, Alex Baker. The Jason Day disease is continuing to grow within the Baker household. Uh, now, Jason Day came in 12th, and he was only 5% owned. So the 50% leverage for Alex actually really worked out there. Yep. He also found his way to tie Hatton over Webb Simpson. Interesting to see almost, uh, I won't say a total fade, but in terms of his projected ownership, only 18% on Webb. Uh, so Interesting to see there. You'll see for me uh, down below, I went 65%. I decided to play the web. Didn't work out that much for me. Uh, going on, Jason Kokrak at 17%, as well as Doc Redman. I also had Doc Redman pretty high. JT Poston, Louis Oosthuizen um, were his other two misses. But Kisner in English helped him get 261st there in the $8 middle iron last week. 100 total golfers. This is the thing that I found of most pros last week. Alex used 100. I used 91. Uh, Brick 75, who we'll talk about in a minute, he used like 103. So a lot of golfers used by us. And I think that that's the right strategy to do in a tournament like this that's wide open. I, I really feel like it, it was. But so much variability. I mean, we, you know, Alex had six missed cuts in his top 10 owned. I had four. Brick 75 also had five. So just a lot of variability, even with using so many golfers. Yeah, for sure. And, and definitely, I think the, the more wide open definitely lends itself to, to a bigger player pool. I understand that 100%. Yeah. Um, and I think most guys who, who mass entered would have had, like you said, uh, a lot of miscuts in their top top four or five. That is interesting that he went 57% Jason Day. So it couldn't have been that bad a week. And he had Ty Hatton at 28%. So it's uh, interesting. Underweight on Webb. Um, really good call there, obviously. Uh, I don't think going overweight on Webb was necessarily a poor call. Just the way it worked out. Um, that was, I think it's almost funny. I mean, Webb's Webb made the cut, but I mean, I, I feel like his finish was almost more shocking than some of the guys who missed the cut. So I uh, just never really got going there with, uh, with the complete game. So uh, good call by Alex, obviously um, both good call by both you guys going heavier on hat. And that, I think that was, that was a key play. If you had Hatton over some of the other chalk, uh, you probably had a good week and both you guys, well, you had the Zach Johnson play, like I said, which I really like. So going overweight on Zach Johnson, I thought definitely was a play I was overweight on. And he uh, he made uh, he made my week as well. So, yeah. And here's the thing uh, about the cut. All right. I'll talk very briefly about it. You see, I had Gordon there at 18 percent. I talked to you uh, about why I play him. I just pretty much play him every week. Now, maybe it'll be a little different this week. I might not have 20 percent, but he was on the line and. One of the funniest tweets of the week actually came from Cameron Percy. He tweeted out a picture of his lawnmower, and he said, I got to be honest, when I made that 30 for buddy, uh, birdie on nine to get to minus two, I didn't expect to be mowing grass on Saturday. So even Cam Percy, who came, who was tied for 66, missed the cut, didn't think the cut was going to move. It did. It bit me really bad. I still ended right, up yeah. coming in the top 25 in the FanDuel big dollar, um, uh, $9 GPP of the $7 one. With Will Gordon missing the cut, um, too bad. Obviously, if Gordon makes the cut, I, I probably have a great chance to win knowing how good he can score. But, hey, that's what the game is all about, especially uh, in PGA DFS. So, all right, let's take a look at Brick 75 and uh, the winner 
C-W-A-I-S-N-O-R. I'm not even going to try and swat, Swaisner. I don't even know. Anyways, um, Jason Day, uh, the virus of Jason Day, also made its way onto Brick 75 lineups. He also went to Matt Fitzpatrick, who I I just could not roster last week. He looked right. so dejected at Augusta that it just didn't yeah. look good. Um, I agree. Also found his way. Yeah, Sung JM, you and I talked about career-changing performance, that maybe it was a bit of a letdown spot coming for him. Um, that ended up panning out. Brian Harmon was the one missed cut that really confused me. He was playing super well, home course, win should help him, not hurt him. Um, and he also went to Louis Oosthuizen. You and I actually talked about Louis Oosthuizen. We both said not at scoring courses. We want to make yeah. grinded out events. So showing that maybe uh, the projections don't always have that type of stats in there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, Louis was was a tough one, but I, I did end up fading him as well. Uh, I don't do that very often, but like it just, I don't know. And coming off a major too, it just feels like such a letdown spot for Louis, who's always got to get gets himself in contention, right? So, um, yeah, Harmon was actually a shock for me as well. That was one of the surprising ones. I know I had some exposure to him. Uh, Fitzpatrick, I felt the exact same way about. You know, I was interested in Fitzpatrick at the start of the week. Then you start thinking about it; it's really expensive. He just looked like you said, not good at, at Augusta. And that's a, that's a, a major he's performed well before. So I just didn't like that mojo. Sung Jay, I did have a little bit of exposure, but that made, uh, you know, the, the miscut didn't really shock me there as well. Such a letdown spot after such a good performance. So um, yeah, I, I think a lot of the things we're, we were seeing were, were pretty much in line here. And um, for the, as far as the winner, yeah, go on that 50% Kevin Kisner, that, that was the play along with Zach Johnson, you know, going heavy on both those guys. Those were two of the the chalkier plays that got up there uh, in terms of like higher priced guys. Oh, and he had English. So yeah, I'm not shocked to see those, those ownership percentages on, on his lineup, obviously made some good decisions with Chingali and stuff too, but yeah, really good week for him. I mean, that is uh, that is a nice player pool. Could not have drawn that up much better. Yeah. Uh, if you, if you took guy, a time machine and went back, you could not draw it up much better. All you do is drop Brian Harmon, basically. <laughs> and then, so it's it's um, pretty yeah, yeah, it's pretty great. Thirty two golfers used for the sixteen lineups. I got a ton of questions weekly about how many golfers should I have in my player pool, and for sixteen to twenty lineups, I think thirty is a great magical number. Yeah. So he hit everything there. He still had five missed cuts, but when you have fifty percent Kisner, so you get him in sixteen lineups. I mean, even with Russell Henley made the cut. Just a, a really, really good showing there uh, from the guy. So, okay, let's go to our lineup reviews. Uh, then we will get into our Mayakoba talk. So first we'll start off with me. So this was my $200 lineup. This was my second lineup. My first lineup uh, was the 555 that I built with uh, Webb Simpson, but uh, it had Gordon and so, and it didn't have anybody in the top 10. So it didn't end up cashing uh, last week or two weeks ago, I should say. Last week, actually, the, the Euro I had a really good chance. Um, and Euros on Sunday, just quickly, it got moved up. The tournament got moved up due to weather coming in the afternoon. So right. the final round was literally played from 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. on the East Coast. I made it up until 4.45, and I was doing real good. I was in uh, top five with two lineups. And then Bezzy came back and won a Poseidon hoot. Um, and good yeah. for him, by the way. It killed my return a little bit. Still had a really positive week. Um, so for the two weeks, I was – Quite positive, uh, but could have been a lot better. Anyways, um, this lineup here, I went to Tommy Fleetwood because I knew he was going to be 0% owned in this yeah. single entry. What, obviously, Webb Simpson being 45% owned in normal contest means he was like 60% owned in these single entries. So I love the leverage. Just he didn't play well. Again, 
Not a surprise. Ty Hatton, obviously, we talked about him being that kind of second guy in the lineup. He was only 15% owned, so again, really good for me. Uh, C.T. Pan, everything was looking great for him. He was snake-bitten by that minus-two cut as well. Uh, he had shot three under on day one and was in really good shape. I thought maybe another top ten. Uh, that didn't do it. Alex Noren, good course history for me. I thought he had come off of one good start, so that was a good play. Doug Gim was the player that you and I both had on our teams, and his top ten, Jeff, it's got to be coming, right? It's got it, Maybe this week, it's got to be coming soon. I don't even care if he top tens. Just keep making birdies at an, at this rate. He's scoring 95 <laughs> points, right? I don't care what he finishes if he makes enough birdies like this. He was a great play. Um, yeah, yeah uh, sub 5% owned. Uh, Tita Green, and look, we saw this coming, right? I mean, we both mentioned him. We liked him pregame. And uh, Tita Green, he was, he's really been kind of bowling out. And um, he continued to do that. And he just can't – every hole, it was like he was either, okay, maybe a bogey. Next hole, you know, within eight feet, within eight feet a couple birdies sure and then he was making bogeys and uh it's maybe a little concerning i guess but um at the same time uh, if the weather's not going to be as extreme maybe he'll just make birdies and, and he won't get give it get it uh put himself in as many bad positions this week so interesting player uh i think i already saw some people talking about him in the chat so yeah uh for sure my maybe one play that i'm a little upset about um that i did ryan armor had some pretty good course history and was coming in off that good finish of bermuda um, I'm a big fan of him. I explained a couple of times why, um, but maybe this was a spot where I should have found the money up to Kazire because that was the right play. Uh, and it would have made it obviously a heck, heck of a difference as we go into your lineup, which is a good segue. Kazire was the pretty much the guy that, that really got you through. I'm guessing that this was probably a six or a seven, maybe even a 10 X lineup here. Uh, 540 points, Jeff, uh, talk, talk us through the build here. Yeah. So this one was, Again, I, I kind of did what the, the the winner did. I just you know put twenty in the the eight dollar and had a so I had a similar type of player pool. Um, didn't obviously didn't fall on quite the same golfers he did, but uh, yeah, this one was uh, ended up being my best. Uh, I can't remember what it actually finished in. Actually, here maybe I should bring it up here. Give me a sec here. I probably could find it if you. And, uh, one sec. But yeah, I mean, obviously from a from a build perspective. You know, I had the had the similar type of uh, type of um, ideal you know process as you had uh, around Doug Gim, anyways. And then um, here we go. It's one twenty ninth in the uh, yeah hundred twenty ninth yep. in the uh, the four hundred k. So two weeks yep. ago, but um, yeah. So I, I mean, I wanted some hat and exposure uh, in my non Web Simpson lineups. So I thought that was uh, a pivot. I considered Fleetwood as well. I ended up going with Hatton. Henley was a guy. He, Henley was almost as big a bust. So. Yeah, if I could have gotten off Henley or Webb, I probably would have really, uh, you know, and gotten Kisner in there instead um, in, in that player pool. That really would have probably shot me up. But uh, I went with uh, some Henley exposure as well. Neiman was a guy I didn't have a ton of exposure to, but I just felt like it was too cheap for Neiman. He was uh, he he actually had some some pretty good birdie opportunities on the weekend. He could have even had a higher score. So uh, Kazire was just more of just a course history play. I just felt like it was a momentum play at 6,800. I just felt like the upside again, if the putter stays hot with Pat and Kazire, uh, 6,800 was just way too cheap on that course. Well, so definitely. that's pretty much why he, he was in there. Kirk was just, uh, Kirk's you know, kind like of a, like your, your, um, I don't want, I want to say kryptonite cause he's been okay, but he's kind of your low price guy that you yeah. like to go to. I'll go to on these. This is a good course. Like these courses are where, you, where I'll play Chris Kirk, right? Like, um, you know, he was okay. Um, 
kind of regret getting him in this lineup, I guess, although I'm not really sure who else I would have gone to. I guess I could have, you know, taken Neiman out or something or Henley and, and gone more balanced, but um, he fell on this one. I, I think I, this might've actually been the only lineup I had Chris Kirk in too. So um, hey, ended up being okay. Um, you know, but again, kind of a similar build to what the, the winner did is he had three guys, you know, kind of over uh, 12%. And then he just, I, I, you know, I flipped it with three lower owned plays. I don't think I expected Doug Gim to actually be that low or Kazire, to be honest, but um, I thought, you know, you were getting really good ownership projections on those guys. So, um, you know, I was overweight on, on the right low price guys, to be frank, what with Gim and Kazire, cause I was like quite overweight on those guys. But like I said, the Hanley and the Webb Simpson plays, they made the cut, Ed, but uh, they ultimately ended up really holding up back my upside. So. Yep. Um, still a pretty solid line and uh, overall a decent week. A little bit frustrating with the two golf courses, especially the fact that the plantation course played, I think it was two and a half shots difference from one day to the next. Obviously, uh, Thursday was super windy. Uh, Friday, not so windy. So uh, that will do it. Uh, of course, don't forget to give us a like and uh, subscribe to our videos. And of course, we if you are interested to see some other uh, guys that you want me to review their player pool and allocations, I know we've got a uh, number one ranked DFS golf guy in our chat, the Alex man. Maybe I'll throw him on there next week uh, just to uh, see how he gets it done. And of course, like I said, don't forget to give us a like on the way out. So let's go into a couple of minutes of a uh, 2021 preview. I sent the wrong thing to my guy, Jordan, behind the glass. I'm so sorry, Jordan. It's 2021. We're, we're, we're ready to get out of 2020 here. So that's my apologies. But what I wanted to do just for about a minute, maybe two, ask you two quick questions about the upcoming season, because this is the last tournament. And then, of course, we're going to dive right in to the Mayakoba Golf Classic. But first, I want to know for the breakthrough major win. I know the easy answer is John Rahm here, but for 2021, Jeff, who is somebody that you can see that hasn't won a major yet that isn't John Rahm winning in 2021? Okay, well, I'm going to bring up my my o, uh, OWGR rankings here just so I'd make sure I don't forget anyone. But, um, I, you know, I got a couple names just popping off the top of my head. I think I'm going to go – I think I'm going to go with Patrick Cantley, though. I think I'm going to go with your guy. My guy, Cantley. Yeah, you think, think he's right? Like, I just like, again, like we, I know we got, you know, a lot of like bombers and stuff like that. And guys, with, you know, maybe a little tighter tee to green. I just, but I like guys who a little bit all around, they got that putting upside, you know, his, his short game is, uh, is progressed to a point. He's got, he's got multiple top fives now. He's got a top five at the PGA top five of the, or top 10 of the masters. So I think, I think Patrick Cantley um, is going to have a big 2021. So. I love it. I'm, I'm behind it. Um, we saw him finally get back to the Patrick Cantlay golf that we know. Yeah. Struggled a little bit back from that COVID uh, start. So really good to see that. So my second question is, first of all, thank you, Charlie. And thank you for the segue, Charlie, as a, a little a super chat there here on Monday. We love to see it. He wants to know about a guy that I want to know about, and that is Tony Fino. And where I'm putting him in the category for 2021 is I want you to tell me of these four golfers who's going to win their first PGA Tour tournament that isn't the Puerto Rico Open. Scotty Scheffler, Tony Finau, Tommy Fleetwood, or Victor Hovland. Think about those four names for a second. I mean, th those four names are some great golfers. They haven't won a golf tournament that isn't the Puerto Rico Open on the PGA Tour. I don't want to get in trouble. 
Tommy Fleetwood's won plenty of times on the Euro Tour. I'm talking specifically about PGA Tour event. Is it Tony Finau? And is it this week? For Charlie, he wants to know if having all the Tony Finau is too much. Okay, so let's tackle the the Tony Finau question. Because first, um, look... I, th- I think he's I think he's a little bit overpriced here, right? Like we got him in front of Berger, who's who's yep. right up there in front of the the in the in the rank. Very surprising to me. Harris English is playing just weekend week out. out, and and look, this is a Harris English course. Like this is yep. one here. It's the exact same similar type of seaside. So, you know, if Basically you're if you're asking me, you can go overweight Tony Finau here. He's 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 up there with the great scores. He's up there with like a Cameron Champ. So I don't I don't necessarily hate it from that perspective. I'm, I actually think this is a spot where Finau will probably be lower owned than normal. I mean, normally you have trouble getting Tony Finau like 10% owned, but that's kind of what yet trending that right way now. this week. I, yeah. I could see him being like 10% owned, which is really good. So I don't, I think from, again, you're making a lot of lineups, Charlie. I think that like, you know, if you're making MMEing, then, you know, 20% Tony Finau should put you over the field. I wouldn't feel obliged to go more than that. I wouldn't feel, feel crazy to go like making my highest own golfer. It's, it's not the worst spot in the world, I guess he's, he's played well here, but at the same time, like we're, we're talking about like the, you know, the, the Michael classic Graham McDowell, Matt Kuchar, Pat Kazire, Pat Perez. Like it's not really a final course that, that I want to go crazy on him. So that's kind of my answer. I'm interested, but I think he's a little overpriced. It might create a little bit of an opportunity, though, to go overweight on him and not have to like totally go crazy. So that's yep. my female take. I'm not. I'm not overly bullish, as you can probably tell. I think ten thousand seven hundred is giving an opportunity for those guys that like to just simply play against the grain and go uh, take the lower owned guys. I think it sets up perfectly. So if you're one of those players and you like Tony Finau, yeah. I think this could be your week. Really do. 10700 People aren't going to pay that much for him when they've got somebody like Corey Connors at 9000 Sebastian Munoz at 8500 Even, like you said, Harris English at 10-1, who's cheaper? Victor Hovland, 9-7. Even Ricky Fowler, for that matter, at 9-5. Especially our, our buddy Alex Baker. I can't imagine he's going to be playing Tony Finau uh, over his over his Fowler and Jason Days uh, this week. So I yeah. do think we, we get him low-owned. Now, on to... The 2021 preview, who do I think is going to win of those four? I think maybe Victor Hovland is the chalk answer, as our chat suggested, but I'm actually going to lean Scotty Scheffler. I think that this guy has the putting, the best putting game out of the four of them, and I think that that he gets hot early on in the season. Uh, once we turn the year, he's obviously not here this week. I think he gets hot early in the season. Maybe something like the Waste Management Phoenix Open for Scotty Scheffler. I'm sure he'll play in it. Um but I like Scheffler to get it done uh, over Fleetwood, I guess. I mean, Fleetwood's had all this time, and he's an elite player. just can't get it done. So I'll go Scotty Scheffler as my pick. How about you? I think Fleetwood's biggest problem, too, is he he spends time on the Euro Tour, right? It's hard That's to get much. focused on both. Like, it's a different yeah. game you're playing over here. I think you've seen that all from a lot of the here. Euro players. Sometimes some guys will come in, and they'll just kind of they'll get hot for a week and grab a win. Like, Schwartzel's done that. Grace has done that. But – it's it's tougher to do that. Like it's so competitive. So I I, I agree. I, I I'll, I'll keep the the Fleetwood fade. Where the four players were Finau, Hovland, Scheffler, and Fleetwood, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So I think I, I I'm on par. Like I, I would go Scheffler. Um, the dude has looked so close. Uh, even just coming in like a year ago in the fall series, he was close. He's he's flashed in majors. 
I'd be pretty shocked if we went through 2021 and Scotty Scheffler didn't get a win. Like uh, I, I'd be pretty shocked. I put him up there. He's got a, he's got an improving all around game. Like you said, his putting's getting better or it's gotten better throughout the year. So uh, I I'd roll with Scheffler there as well. Yep. I think that's a, a, a great call. So, all right, let's now go on to talk about the Maya Coba golf classic. It's a fun one. And uh, I'm smiling because uh <laughs> I have a little funny story. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was on a cruise, and I, I've been covering this tournament for like four or five years. So it, it is one of my favorites. Um, it's it's one of the first ones that I covered. So if I've told this story before and you've heard it, I apologize. <laughs> but I was on a cruise, and we we uh, went into Cozumel, and one of the uh, excursions was you take a ferry trip from Cozumel to Playa del Carmen, and from Playa del Carmen, you take about an hour and a half bus ride to Tulum, where they have the Mayan ruins, and extremely phenomenal. We'll see them on coverage this week. They'll talk about the Mayan ruins, beautiful place, but that ferry ride from Cozumel to Playa del Carmen, there were 300 people on it. 200 of them got sick. And I mean, like people were lined up out of the bathroom. It was the grossest thing I've ever been on. It was awful. The seas were terrible. So if you're going to go to Playa del Carmen, I recommend flying directly in there. Do not go to Cozumel and take a boat. Just get on land. Uh, It is my piece of advice. They got sick from the sea. From the sea, it was that oh, bad. Yeah, seasick. Yeah, yeah. That's Awful. the one thing. See, I like. I got a weak stomach, but when I get on a boat, like I don't even like nothing's happening. Like I, like really? you, like I swear to God, we could be like, like turn over. I turn over. I wouldn't even notice it. Like from a stomach perspective, but uh, that's now like, how about if everybody else around you is getting sick? Yeah, that and that, that could, that's what that, ended up starting to happen. That could be it. That, yeah. That's like a psychological thing. I don't know. Anyway, that's a bigger discussion. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me let me just the last piece of advice is if you get on a ferry ride and they're passing you, you know, little barf bags at the beginning before you take off, just get off the boat. It Did just you don't even sick, go Jason? on it. I actually didn't because I decided to go to the bottom row and be the first person to jump off the boat when they docked. Like they weren't even letting people off and I was off the boat because I couldn't handle it anymore. Everybody was getting sick <laughs> around me. So I'm like, get me off this thing. I don't know. Um, I, and I, I was hung over. So it was really bad. I'm, I'm trying to act like a tough guy. I probably would have been hurling my guts out. Yeah, it, yeah. I was hung over too. So it was really the worst experience oh, no, of my yeah. life. <laughs> In any case. Um, all right. So let's talk about a little bit about El Chameleon Golf Club here in Playa del Carmen. First off, it is at the Mayacoba Resort absolutely phenomenal resort it is one that once COVID is done uh, i'm definitely going to get to in my travels it's not that far from me in tampa so just a a, a quick plane ride uh it is the where i remember this tournament is one of the first ones i was covering graham mcdowell won it and after his second round the year after he won it he was sitting in the hot tub drinking a corona while the uh, second round was going on and it was just a great view of what i think this tournament is but El Camillon is a pretty fun golf course. I mean, we've got that unique cavern in the middle of the fairway, par 71, 7,100 yep. yards here this week. It's a resort course, right? I just mentioned it's at the Mayacoba Golf Resort. Um, so it's going to play pretty easy in terms of being able to hit the green and the fairways, right, Jeff? I mean, uh, yeah. pretty much it's going to play very similar to last week. Yeah. I, two I, weeks ago. It's, you know, again, um, I, we might have even had like another uh, course recently that I'm just forgetting. But yeah, it's going to play similar to the RSM, uh, at least in my Bermuda opinion. Bermuda too, same thing, yeah. Yeah, exactly right. So, um, you know, similar to what we've seen, which is kind of nice. I mean, we, we've we've seen players who have been playing well at these courses um, and, and we don't have to make a ton of adjustments, right? It's not like we got, oh, okay, now we got to like look at guys who maybe driving distance or something. So from that perspective, it's good. Uh, I mentioned the veteran presence. I, I think from a, 
the RSM perspective, uh, it, it's going to be similar to that. I think you're going to see some veterans just do better here. The weather doesn't look extreme. There's a little bit of rain in the forecast, so uh, something to keep an eye on. But I mean, it's, it's still going to be warm, so um, there might be stoppages, but I don't think that it's going to be as windy. So you might, I think the scoring will be fine, uh, if I had to guess. You know, green and regulation percentage is a little bit higher than average. Uh, scrambling is, is fairly easy as well. So it's probably even going to play easier than the RSM, to be honest. So. Yeah, I think so as well. And, and the picture that you guys see on the screen is of that cavern that's in the middle of the fairway, just really yeah. cool. Yeah, I always forget about that one. And then it gets rough. I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that like weird cavern's there. The, it is kind of cool. Look <laughs> it is. Um, and I had Bo ask us, and it's a good point uh, for those of you that like Torcast in the Tours technology. Sadly, you're going to have to wait until the Tournament of Champions yeah. out in Maui to get it. They don't sure. bring it to Mayakoba for whatever reason, because... Jeff, they bring it to, to Mexico City, which is even further away for the WGC Mexico. So why don't they have it here? Frustrating. Um, I think that also means they don't have PGA Tour Live either, if I'm not mistaken. So rather yeah. frustrating in terms of content watching, we're only going to get the three hours or four hours of coverage on Golf Channel, which is kind of kind of annoying. Yeah, they got it. They got to fix that. They got to they got to get a team They're just traveling with them to every event for the shot link. I don't know. I, I don't know why that's Listen, hard. I'll put my name in for it if they want to cover all expenses and pay me some. I mean, great. I'll do it. Whatever. It's just plugging numbers in. For them. Why not, man? <laughs> but seriously, I don't understand, especially with betting becoming so yeah. important oh, yeah. to their game and growth. It is the best tool in terms of trying to bet in tournament stuff. And the fact that we don't have it is it is frustrating. Um, I'll, I'll let everybody know about the PGA Tour Live groups. I don't think we're going to get those either. But I definitely – I could be mistaken on that one. I just know that we did not have it uh, for Bermuda, I don't think, which means that says to me that we probably won't have it here for Mayakoba either. So, um, all right, let's uh, – I'll give you the quick little things. Uh, we're going to hit about 70% of the greens this week. About 64% of the fairways, but driving distance way down. We already brought that up. But an average tee shot of 287 yards, which ranked 32nd out of 49 last year. So a lot of three woods off the tee. That's why I mentioned maybe this isn't the type of course for Cam Champ. But if you get that elite distance going on, I mean, he came in 10th here a couple of years ago. That's where I think the upside is for these bombers somewhere around 10th. Seventh, obviously, if they have a putting week, they can win it. Anybody that has a putting week can. Um, past success. Listen to these last five winners. It's crazy. Brendan Todd, Matt Kuchar, Pat and Gazire, Pat Perez, and Graham McDowell. I literally put them all in the same group of type of player, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's what I said. I mean, like, it, it is like the veteran's paradise here, man. It's like the 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 course where, you know, you know the mid the, – the 40-year-old comes and gets their, like, late career win. It's uh, I mean, Kazire probably doesn't – The Matt Kuchar renaissance, either. yeah. But the other guys uh, absolutely do, so – it's been a veteran's paradise um, for whatever reason. I mean, I think we know. I think we've talked about some of the reasons. I think it just brings in uh, guys who uh, all different styles of play. And I think ultimately it just comes down to you're good with your wedges and you're good with your putter. And you you get hot with those clubs and you're sharp with those clubs. You're going to have a chance this week. So um, yep. it's just the, the style of uh, golf we should be expecting. So let's talk about some of those golfers. Uh, of course, we've got at the top end, Justin Thomas is here. Actually, 11400 I ex actually expected him to be 11700 and I expected him to be $1,000 more than Brooks Kepka. The fact that there's only a $400 yeah. difference there, I'm actually intrigued for Justin Thomas here this week. Um, obviously, he's won more off of the mainland U.S. than he has on the mainland U.S., and obviously, this is Mexico. He's got a couple of international wins. I think he's certainly interesting to top the start of the board, yeah. um, but I can't imagine he was one of your first clicks to win the tournament this week, right, Jeff? 
No, like, I'm not going to bet Justin Thomas at plus 650, but from a DFS perspective, uh, pretty much the exact same reaction. Like, why is he double the odds of Brooks Kepka? double, like half the odds, excuse me, yep. but only $400 more. Uh, pretty weird. And like you said, Justin Thomas has won fall events. He's won uh, on past Fallon Greens in Malaysia before. He can absolutely smash birdie fests like this. Yeah, he's interesting for sure. I, I would have hoped he would have been like 11-7 just to make it a little bit more of a choice, but 11-4, yikes. Yeah, you probably want some Justin Thomas exposure. Um, you know, from, from an odds perspective, uh, again, you know, looking at the top of the board, you go down, don't really have any interest in Brooks. Harris English, oh, I you know, it feels like plus 1,800. Plus 1,600, probably a little too short for me. I talked about fee now. I'm not interested. My first click I'm on the talk, guys, was answer. Second greens and regulation at uh, at the Masters. Obviously, you got the Mexican narrative. Love that. A couple top tens at this event, and realistically, the game for answer. I mean, you, you know, he's he's putted and, and he's sharpened his short game this year. He's got a great iron game when he's on. I'll like it. I'll take plus twenty two hundred on Abraham Answer to get his first win here, coming in with some momentum off the Masters. So that was my first uh, outright bet. Yeah, and I, the chat has talked about him a, a lot um, here, and I think it makes sense. We're going to take the Christian Bezidenhut kind of narrative that sure. you know, yeah. home soil. Home soil guys have been looking to get it done. Abraham Hanser, of course, looking for his first PGA Tour win. I love that, and great spot to use Odd Shopper. And if you haven't used Odd Shopper before, oddshopper.osmo.com, or you can go on osmo.com and go across the banner on the top, click Odds Shopper, and here's what you're going to find. You're going to get five, four or five, depending on which one you want to use, uh, books that are going to come and give you your values. And Oz Shopper is going to present all of them to you to give you the best value. You can also then click right from Oz Shopper to bring you to the bet. It's a great tool if you haven't checked it. Check it out now. And that's where you're going to see that DraftKings and William Hill Sportsbook are significantly better in the Abraham answer odds market over FanDuel. FanDuel 16 to one where DraftKings 22 and William Hill 22 to one. So also like Abraham answer a lot this week, he showed us something at Augusta that he's pretty good. So uh, certainly like him a bit there. Check out our odds shopper stuff. Sorry, my dog wants to uh, get a little talkative here. I was talking to Jeff a little he bit likes before. answer, man. That's perfect. That's he great. loves answer. Already they... validating my bet this morning. Um, yeah, no, I mean, and just quickly to wrap up answer, he's 9,900 on DraftKings, but, I, you know, again, you could, if you want to play Goldberweight Thomas, maybe you just go underweight answer in DFS and you bet him in the outright yeah. market because I'd much rather bet answer at flood 2,200 than Thomas. So just something to think about. Uh, either way, I'm going to have some 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 of my cash money on, on him this week, so. So TBC Colonial, another one of those golf courses that I would say more of a plotter. You know, you can be a good putter and get around it. You don't have to have the elite distance. And we saw that one by Daniel Berger. Now right. he comes here. He's uh, 10,000, what, I think 10,400 on DraftKings, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. yep. But yet the same odds to win the golf throne as Abraham Answer. So you can take that two ways. One, Answer's a better play on DFS. And two, maybe in that same breath, yeah. Maybe Burger's a good bet because you're not paying that much on DK and you're getting these similar odds. So Dan Burger was the second one. I think answer and Burger starting off your betting lineups at 22 to one. I think those are some really two solid plays in this field. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the odds on Burger, yeah, a touch disrespectful for what he's done as well. I think the only reason they're at that price and he's at the same price as answer is he hasn't had as much fall play. So he's not coming in with as much form. Um, but, and, and, you know, I think, I think form is a big thing for me this week. Like in the fall, we just see guys with momentum. Like Todd was coming in off a win. 
Perez, Kazire both coming in to this event off of top tens when they won. So something to think about with Berger, but I, I'd be fine taking him at that price. Absolutely. Like I said, more interested in him than Finau and probably even um, English as well for betting. So, yep. Um, now we go into the next range and this is our first click section. So I'm going to guess that none of them were clicks for you, but I'm going to ask anyway, four yep. guys from 30 to 35 to one Fowler, Connors, Neiman and Zalatoris. And this is the first time that Zalatoris has been a field that he's not our topic of Zalatoris season, but that doesn't mean that we dislike him or anything like that. It's just that he's probably priced where he should be in this field. And he's going to be a, a name stay uh, that after this week, he had to get a sponsor's invite into this week because the reshuffle that he's in the category that he's in uh, happens after this tournament, which he'll be number one in that reshuffle. So he'll get in almost every tournament except for WGCs and majors. Um, unless of course he wins this week, but are you interested in him at 35 to one to win the PGA tour event? I'm not, I'm not ready for that yet. Like him in DFS, but I don't think he's ready to win at 35 to one. Yeah. All these guys garnered a little interest for me this morning. Um, ultimately I did kind of pass on them. Now it doesn't mean I might not add one of them later in the week, but yeah, you're, you're pretty much spot on. Like I like these guys and I think they're better DFS plays than outright bets. But again, we're talking about a veterans plotter course. Connors is playing great. Um, he might be like the most obvious play of the three, but again, you know, like he's going to have to putt really well and, and mm -hmm. Connors doesn't always do that. And the Neiman thing is, is kind of the same. Uh, he's looked good with, he looked good with his irons and, and flashes, but I'm just not sure if he's got the sharpness or the competitive uh, sort of like enough, Where enough events yeah. in the fall yep. because of the COVID break. Zalatoris is almost the most interesting. He's played so much. He's played so well. He was up there in Bermuda, like you mentioned. So I'd almost say like of the three, Zalatoris has the most interest for me. Um, I think the pressure's off him a little bit now because he's got the exemption, right? Like he's, he's good to go. So with the pressure off, I mean, I, I think that's something to consider. I might consider him a little bit closer. Uh, maybe I'll bet him and like not play him in DFS or maybe I'll do the opposite, but I'll probably have some kind of exposure this week. Okay, let's go on to our values here before we go into our DFS preview. We were a couple of minutes uh, late, so we'll go a couple of minutes over here. But uh, the values... It's going to be an interesting one. I have talked to you a lot about my wherewithal or my likeness to bet and play these guys that maybe not many people have heard of or these up-and-coming stars. It's it's gotten me into trouble. It's gotten me some great finishes. It's it's definitely a roller coaster, and I'm okay with that. The name this week that I want to talk to you about that we just saw make the cut in Augusta and is now turned professional and is making his professional debut is Andy Ogletree. Uh, we saw he's got a pretty decent game. Hits fairways, hits green. He's not going to overpower you. So at seven to one for a top twenty here at Mayakoba is this guy. He's got he wears glasses. He's got kind of an old style game. Is this a good course for him to make his professional debut at? Is seven to one seems like pretty good value to me. It probably is a good course, isn't it? Um, I never really thought about it like that, but you're right. Like, uh, you know, you probably don't want him uh, at like uh, Torrey Pines to start off. And look, I mean, he's, he's coming in with some momentum. Some of these guys are coming in off break. So he's probably going to have an advantage there. Yeah. Plus 250 uh, on the outright. I mean, you don't have to bet him to outright, but again, we're talking, you know, plus 1600 uh, for a top 10 or, or whatever he is for top 20. Yeah. I mean, I, I can actually kind of get behind that. Um, wasn't really considering. I'm not going to be honest, but uh, I'll look into that a little bit. I think you're right. This is, you know, it's, a, again, it's, you know, it's a bit of a foreign course. It's a bit of a resort course. Why not? Right. I mean, this is kind of where we see some of the web.com guys pop up too. So I can kind of get behind that. I, I kind of, kind of like that call. 
Yeah, so Ogletree was one name. The other two names that I think are kind of fall into this category, I don't think they're ready yet. Um, I haven't seen them as much. Is Quade Cummins and Austin Eckerat from uh, the college guys that are getting in. Uh, Quade Cummins is from Oklahoma and Eckerat from Oklahoma State. Both are ranked around 15th in the amateur uh, rankings. So not names that I'm interested in here this week. I'd rather go to Ogletree. I just saw Ogletree make the cut at the Masters. And for all intents, I think he's got a really good game and all around solid game. So I think we'll see Ogletree. I don't know about a mainstay on the PGA Tour quite yet, um, but I, I think he we might, you know, with the events that he'll get, he'll get six sponsor invites. I can definitely see him getting into the Corn Ferry Tour finals and, and working himself up that way. Cummins and Eckerat probably a year, year and a half away for them. Um, so I'd rather go to Ogletree at seven to one there. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, let's now go talk about. Um, some DFS players, and I, I'm just reading from uh, Revokes here in our chat, Brian Harmon's price on FanDuel, so I'm going to have to go check that out because obviously it's pretty cheap. But we already talked about a little bit about Justin Thomas coming in 11400 on DraftKings. Both you and I felt that that was kind of cheap. So if, let's say, Justin Thomas is the first guy in our lineup, leaving $7,700 left, Jeff, who's the second guy you're getting in? We both like answer, so give me somebody else besides answer that you're sliding in with JT this week. Yeah, I think I think people starting with Corey Connors and Justin Thomas will probably be a popular build. Okay. Um, Makes sense. Yep. Yeah. So you know that'll leave you with I think seventy four hundred, which is you know yep. it, it's doable, right? Like it's definitely doable. After that, we got some guys in the six k range. I know you just threw out Ogletree. Uh, Wes Bryan is sixty six hundred. I think it's a fantastic bounce box spot for him. Uh, he's still you know killing it as far as uh, iron play goes. I mean, it's one cut, but that's not a big deal, right? Uh, we've got, and, and look, this, again, it's a similar style event. We've got similar pricing. So, you know, Kazire was in the 6,800 range uh, at, uh, at, at uh, RSM. I'm, I'm sure we can find some guys, uh, you know, for, for the OHL here in, in the similar range. Uh, and, you know, we got Rafa down there. So I, I, I think that Connors Thomas is going to be a real popular build. Uh, it's something to think about, you know, maybe if you're using Thomas, maybe you just bypass that. I think a lot of people are going to bypass the AK range. I think Grillo is another name I'd throw to to pair with Thomas. Uh, I really like that. So maybe if you're gonna if you're not gonna use Connor, I think Grillo would be uh, uh, kind of my next kind of maybe uh, to get lesser ownership there. So I'm smiling because uh, I went and checked. I uh, had to have you know if somebody tells me to go check a price on Fanduel, that that means it's absurd. And sure enough, <laughs> Brian Harmon oh, no. is flat minimum on Fanduel. Now they've done this to us a couple of times. They've done it to us with Ryan Moore. They've done it with Eric Van Ruyen one week. I don't know if it's an algorithm problem or if it's FanDuel literally just messing with us. I'm tempted to think the latter at this point because I don't want to believe that it's laziness. I want to believe, I would rather believe that they're trying to mess with us. So Jeff, what do you do in a situation like this where, you know, sure he's coming off a miscut, but for all intents, Harmon's playing really good golf. And here he is at the flat minimum priced with guys like, Kevin Statler for, for that matter. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah. You play him, you go overweight, you go hundred percent. You got 20 laps, put him in every one and you, you beat the people who don't, you know, if he's only 80% owned, you, you've got 20% advantage. I mean, Brian Harmon's a really good player. This isn't like, you know, like, uh, uh like what, what is Brian Harmon on DraftKings this week? Just, uh, he's 84, right? Yeah. 8,400. Yeah. So this is like, <laughs> You know, 800. Like this isn't like uh, like Chris Kirk being the man or like 
Doug Gim being the men, this is like a, a player who's up there in the top, like 20, 25, like this, that one. So yeah, man, I, I would just go crazy here um, and, uh, and, and put him in every lineup. If I'm making, you know, if I was doing 20, you, you make the people who don't play and play the rake this week. That's what you do. Right. So there are two ways. And if you're interested on the exact take or the exact way we're going to play it. Um, you know, first off, I, you know, just noticed that and like you, I'm, I'm leaning towards just basically yeah. playing with every lineup. Fair, look, fair notice here. Like I, I don't even, I barely play FanDuel. Like FanDuel. Games, so yeah. I'm probably not going to now this week. So. <laughs> well, given that, I mean, that's Maybe I will, actually. I Ben and I talk about this a lot Yeah. for the higher dollar buy-ins. He's probably going to push 75% out. These guys typically do in that, you know, $300 contest. So there's, you can go game theory and of course fade them and you'd be the only ones to do so. Yeah. And it, but in the $7 buy-in, yeah. you know, the MME stuff, it'd be silly not to play this guy because yeah. you can go out and get three or four studs now because of that and feel real comfortable with the lineup. Yeah, definitely so, a little bit different in the higher buy-in. I agree. Yeah, you got to think a little bit differently. But yeah, just uh, for a pure game theory perspective. So besides Brian Harmon at the flat minimum on FanDuel, talk to me about some of those seventy-four hundred or below guys. If people are starting with the Justin Thomas, Corey Connors line, what are some guys that you think uh, could be in? Doug Gim is finally getting some appreciation from DraftKings seventy-four hundred, right on that price. I still think it's fine for him the way he's playing. I think he'll be in my player pool. Yep. You guys got Peter Melnani, former champion Pat Perez, right in that range. Any of those guys interest you? Yeah, I mean, I got no problem go back to Doug Gim either. Like I said, I don't care if he finishes T40, if he's going to make birdies, and that's what he's doing these days. So yep. um, soft course, Doug Gim, I'd be in. Uh, again, it's not it's not as deep a range we have here this week as we did at the RSM, so that, that kind of sucks right. for the Justin Thomas builds, I guess. I, you know, I, I little bit of interest in going back to Vizjegas, to be honest. Uh, it's a little risky, but he's he's playing well tee to green. So um, I think he stands out. He'll probably be really low owned too. But um, no one really stands out other than Gim. Like Malnati probably is the other one who's playing well, right? Um, I don't have like a, a huge hot take from this range. I, I, I Like I said, I'd almost rather go deeper and maybe start thinking about like the guys in the 6K range because I don't know if there's that big a difference between well, there really isn't that big a difference between guys like uh, down below, like Rafa, even like a Tyler Duncan, then we're talking at 7,200 with like Chess and Hadley. So um, yeah, not, not a lot of guys. It's going to be an interesting range. If you're, if you're in the low seven K range, uh, really going to have to think hard. Like I said, Vijegas, I think I'll probably will have some exposure to him again. Um, maybe Norland or two might get on Rafa. I'm not sure, but like no one there is really like, um, sticking out to me as like, uh, I really want to play this guy. So it is tough. And I've got a name for you at 7,400 that we are definitely not used to seeing at 7,400, but with three straight made cuts and two, top, two straight top twenties, he's playing on a major medical, but this guy, I gotta be honest. He's kind of come out of nowhere and he's playing really solid T to green and his putter's okay. And it's John, Mr. Question mark, huh? Right. Where's this guy come from? Is he going to be a force again on the PGA Tour? Like, is he going to fulfill yeah. his card? Is it, he's got like two two wins, doesn't he? Like over his career. Over his career, I think that in the major medical is how he's getting in these fields. Yeah. yeah. He uh, and look, this is like if you don't if you're not familiar with who John Ha is or, or what his game is, like he is Mister like seaside short course man. Like th- this is a guy whose game he hits every fairway. He's got a fantastic wedge game when he's going. Uh, when the when the short game gets going a little too, it's good. So this is the type of course you take Johnny Hood for sure. Um, 
Yeah, and, and like I said, with with the range being thin, um, I know I didn't throw his name out initially, but like I will definitely consider him there a hundred percent. And I think with with the price being up too, you know, like there's there's no chance it's going to be super chalky or anything. So I think that's good. Uh, I don't think anyone in this range is going to be super chalky. So um, that's also nice to think about. But yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be be looking into to um, like you said, Johnny Question Mark a little bit. He's he's playing well, but it's more of a fact of playing well in the fall. We got one more fall tour event and the, the courses that we're getting here, they just set up so perfectly for his game. So Andy needs it. Andy needs, yeah, he it, needs it. Yeah. That major medical thing. So it's a big uh, event for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big, big time event for John Hyde. I, I don't know exactly how many, normally these major medical guys, uh, Jeff, I think they get like 12 to 14 starts if I'm not mistaken. And he's yeah. probably coming up on like seven or eight. So he probably doesn't have that many, but certainly the three straight uh, starts plus two top twenties is uh, definitely going to help him get, close to it if at least fulfilling the minor portion of it you know getting him back into the current ferry tour finals if nothing else so um good to see him playing back listen i i like these guys that come back off the major medical and can get it done you know it just goes to show that they're not gaming the system that they were actually injured because there's been a uh you know this doesn't really go into our realm too much the pga dfs realm uh it goes more into the like golf journalist realm but there have definitely been a few golfers that have gamed this major medical system, faking yeah. an injury to get an extra year's worth of, of status on the tour. So I don't think we have that here with John high. I think he was legit injured and, and he's coming back and, and playing oh, he, pretty good golf. Yeah. I, I, I'm confusing, but he did win this event in 2012. I thought he won like a TPC South win, but it was here. He won. Yeah. Uh, so he does only have the one win. So, okay. So he's a, which is here though. <laughs> which is so I, yeah. I thought it was a TPC South win. So I'm confusing myself, but yeah, former winner here too. So. All right. So here. let's so. Uh, end it up with a couple of uh, deep bombs here. I already mentioned Ogletree. He's priced at 6,700. Obviously my perennial click of Will Gordon at 6,800. will make a couple lineups, but Below them or outside of them, uh, how about some guys below 7,000 or at 7,000? Because I know uh, you're a little keen to play Patrick Rogers at times, and he's priced <laughs> right there. So yeah. I was going to give you a little opening and let you say him. Uh, but outside of those guys, anybody that you're comfortable with throwing in in your big lineup? Or how about some GPP targets that if you're making a bunch, you should definitely have one or two of these guys? Yeah, I mean, Wes Bryan is going to be the guy for me. I bet him at 175 to 1. Uh, like I said, I mean, this is a guy that's 50 to one at Bermuda. We all liked him at Bermuda. He's missed one cut and that's Bermuda. it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was Bermuda where it was windy, where guys like Stenson were missing the cut too. So I don't know how much you can rate that against him. I think he's a great play uh, at this course. So he'd be my top pick. Like I said, I like him as a bomb. I think Ventura is kind of interesting. Ventura kind of falls in that category too, where He's just a birdie maker, right? Like he hits it, he bombs it off the tee. He's a good putter. So if he plays even half decent, he could just make a ton of birdies at this price. And again, this is like Christopher Ventura was like 9,200, like five events ago. So I think taking a shot with him here in GPPs makes absolute sense. Ooh, 6,700. Um, yeah, that's a great call. Yeah. There, yeah. yeah. And if it's similar, it's similar play to Will Gordon. If you're playing Will Gordon, you're playing Ventura. For Ventura. The right. Yeah. So um, those call. are two guys uh, that really stood out. Um, they're what? I pretty sure there's someone oh the boy at 6400 was the other guy oh yeah hank yep hank the tank so yeah hank the tank uh 16th at bermuda i think he's got a good game for this style of course as well again one missed cut and now he's back down to 6400 i'm fine with with launching a player like that in there uh again don't need that much just need to make the cut at that price uh generally but we've seen in these in these these courses like the guys at 6,400 definitely are live. So uh, as Robert Strab proved us all, to us all a couple weeks ago. So they really are. I mean, I would, I would like to believe 
and I think this is a good way to end the show, that no, a Robert Streb type golfer cannot win a golf tournament with a golfer like Justin Thomas in the field. That's, that's, even if Thomas doesn't win, I feel like the fact that the field knows he's there, um, I would like to believe, again, this is me talking. I'm, I'm not a PGA Tour golfer. I'm just saying, if I'm going into a week and I know that one of the best players in the world is there, I may feel like and maybe I can't win as easily as if Kevin Kisner is the highlight of the field like we had last week. Right. Again, I could be way off there, or Webb Simpson for that matter. I could be way off there, but I, I just would believe that, you know, Justin Thomas Brooks Kepka is a little bit more daunting uh, than Webb Simpson and Ty Hatton. Again, I could be wrong, but... That is the week that we are going to have. It is the Mayakoba Golf Classic. Enjoy this week, everybody. Sadly, uh, we don't get to talk about the PGA again until January 1st. Uh, but pending on the pool, uh, prize pools for next week, the DP World Tour, maybe we'll get on the airwaves. We will keep you updated over the next week and let you know. Uh, but, Jeff, if we don't get to talk to everybody, have a great holiday season. And, uh yep. Why don't you give everybody a little bit of an early Christmas present and tell us who's going to win this week? <laughs> I think Answer's going to win, man. Look, he's got two solo runner-ups yeah. already on the year. He's got he's coming off his best major finish ever. We saw this with Chapel. He won right after the Masters. I think the same thing's going to happen with Answer. So I'm I'm going to stick to that call. The home uh, the home country narrative will live strongly here for the second straight week after Christian Vizayden, who got it done last week. So that is a, a great way to leave the show. Again, uh, thanks to everybody uh, for coming in and joining us here on this Monday. Of course, if you're looking to get in on the premium side of things, use promo code BLUE. You're going to get us for just $1. Jeff's doing some great stuff on the NFL side, and we have so many guys uh, doing that. So join us. We've got a Tuesday slate this week. We've got a Monday, Tuesday slate. we got so much going on in the NFL world. Just that dollar would, would pay for itself there, plus you're going to get the PGA DFS coverage. So... Thanks, everybody. Uh, until the Tournament of Champions, or maybe next week for the DP World Championships, we will see you then. Thanks for joining, and catch you all on the other side. Cheers.